Hi there, and welcome to the YM Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shaw. The vision of this show is to educate and engage apostolic leaders just like you as you reach, disciple, and educate and engage the next generation of apostolic students and young adults. So here's what we do. Every month, we release a new episode of either some original teaching content or an interview with a very special guest. One of the ways that you can support this show is by leaving us a star rating or a review on your favorite podcast app, or you can share this episode on social media or text it to a group of friends. And that that last step is really probably the most impacting way that you can help grow this audience. And here's why we need your help. We need your help because we know there's a lot of leadership and teaching resources that is out there, but very, very few share our common doctrine, fundamental doctrine, and apostolic worldview. And so by you sharing, liking, and leaving a review, you elevate the visibility all around the world of apostolic resources just like this. Because we don't just want to help you, but we want to help every oneness apostolic student pastor that is trying to reach and retain the next generation of students and young adults. And you can help partner uh, uh, with us in, in that mission. Well, let's jump into today's show. And my goodness, I'm super pumped. I mean, I'm always excited every time I get a chance to talk to you every month. But I'm really excited about today because I want to share with you something that has taken me, oh my goodness, about 20 years to really kind of refine and learn. And that is the three steps that all of us need to take if we're ever going to change the culture of our of our youth group. I, I remember I was appointed to be my church's youth leader at the age of 19. So we're talking over 19 years ago, I was asked to become the next youth leader of my local church. And, you know, looking back, I did not know very much about leadership, organizational life, organizational design, vision casting, all of that stuff, all the tools that I that I use now. I didn't know really any of them. I I was newly dropped I was newly dropped out of Bible college. I you know, not even newly graduated. I had dropped out of of Bible college and uh, after my second year, my uh, girlfriend, soon to be fiance, and then soon to be wife had just graduated, and I no longer felt a burden or calling to remain at the institution that I was. Uh, since my girlfriend, who I knew I was going to marry, had since already graduated, and I thought if she's graduated, she's got the diploma, that's going to be good enough for the both of us, and so I might as well uh, get a job, make some money, and serve my local church. And so that's what I did. And then my pastor, who also happened to be my dad, appointed me to be a youth leader. And I remember walking in that first uh, that first youth service, and uh, it was pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. And despite me being fairly untrained in terms of leadership and organizational design and leadership life, I resolved that the most important step that I needed to take as a youth leader at that moment was to change the culture of youth ministry 
in my local church. If I ever was going to affect individual change in the life of the people that, that sat in front of me, and if I ever wanted to reach anyone currently outside the church and disciple them, the culture, the entire culture of youth ministry in my local church absolutely had to change. And so I bumped along and I eventually got better at doing this. Uh, once I got married to my Bible college graduate wife and we started working together, and there were things that we learned in those first formative years that I want to share with you right now. So let's start with step one. That's probably the best place to start, isn't it? Step one to changing the youth culture of, or changing the culture of your youth ministry is this. And the statement I'm about to make is a synthesization of a whole bunch of things that I've learned from a whole bunch of different leaders. So if you're going to say this statement sounds a, lot, a little bit like that leader or this statement sounds a little bit like that leader, it's probably all true. And I wish I could footnote exactly where I've heard this, but it's, it's, something, it's something that I have learned is the most important first step to changing the culture of any place that you lead. It's this. More than what leaders say, People are most impacted by how a leader behaves. More important than what leaders say, people are most impacted by how leaders behave. Talk is cheap, but actions, they're priceless. You cannot put a value upon the behaviors and actions of a leader. And so the first step to changing the culture of your youth group is that you as the leader must incarnate the vision and the values of the culture that you are trying to create. You as a leader need to embody the vision of the culture that you're trying to create. Now, I use the word incarnate very, 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 very intentionally. In fact, the original kind of working title of this episode in, in, in my notebook was incarnational leadership. The incarnation is something that is central to our, our theology as oneness apostolics. We believe that God, he incarnated himself in, in flesh. He expressed his very person, his will, his plan, his redemption for humanity. God took, you know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God had this logos. He had this plan from the very beginning of time. And then verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, that God took all of his purpose, his plan, his personality, his character, and expressed it in a human person. People could see what God wanted to do with people in their neighborhood, walking around in sandals. People could hear his voice. People could get an idea of who God was like. Think of how intense it is. You know, the, the person of God. We wonder what God is like. Well, not anymore when you can see the face of Jesus. That's why, you know, not to stray and go down a rabbit hole, that's why one of the most incredible books that I think Dr. Bernard 
our general superintendent has ever written is The Glory of God in the Face of Jesus Christ. That was such an incredible book. But that's what makes the incarnation of the mighty God in Christ so powerful as people got to see and hear what God was like. Now, this episode is is not about oneness theology. Um, you can you can read tons of great books on that. It's to serve an example that when God wanted to show you what his plan was and his idea was, what his personality was like, he incarnated it in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a tremendous example here that if you are wanting, if you are wanting the students in front of you every single week to understand the type of student, the type of disciple that you're wanting them to become, you've got to take that vision, that culture, those values, your plan, and it needs to be expressed in human form too. Your human form. There is no better way to cast vision as a leader than by incarnating the vision and values that you are seeking to create in your ministry through your own actions and your own life. The first step to changing the culture of your youth group is you must personally embody the culture you're trying to attain through your own words and your own actions even if that means you are the only one at the beginning who is. Now, this assumes you've got radical clarity and and tremendous focus over the type of vision and culture you're trying to create. And if you don't have that, you you really do need you need to get that. But once you do, there's no better way to begin cultural change than by personifying the culture you're trying to create through your own leadership in life. Now, this sounds easy enough, but it's going to take a tremendous amount of discipline to stay on message. There's this old kind of adage or saying or euphemism, however you want to label it, that people need to hear vision greater than seven times to remember that they've even heard it, let alone buy into it. And one of the great challenges of student ministry is this, is that we're young, we like change, we always like to be moving. Sometimes it's easy to, you know, get bored with what you're trying to do, but we've got to fight the urge to continually move the goalposts because we're bored and we want to be doing or saying something else. Oftentimes, when you are most sick, of saying the same thing is usually when people are just starting to get it. And so step one, you've got to embody the culture, the values that you want people to see. This is so important. It's so important that you discipline your mind, you discipline your words, and you discipline your actions to sticking to the message and the culture that you're trying to create inside of your youth group. Because you've got to give your students, you've got to give those teenagers and young adults that, that sit in front of you every, every Sunday school class or you know every youth group gathering, you've got to give them a living, breathing example of what these ideas look like. 
You've got to show them that the vision and culture that you are casting in front of them is not just this ethereal idea, but it can actually can actually put put on shoes and like walk into the youth room and live itself out in everyday life. Students are desperate for an image to emulate. Teenagers, young adults, people, they don't know who they are. They, they, they can see the idea. They can maybe even long for, you know, the vision that you are casting. But most people need to see it come alive in real life first. There, there may be a few people that can hear a message, that can hear an idea, that can hear a philosophy, and they can just imagine what it is like and then go out and do it. But very few people are like that. They need to see that culture incarnated in their youth pastor first before they're ever going, before they're ever going to be able to have it take on and their own life, and be lived out. You've got to give them an example to follow. Let me give you an example of where my wife and I learned this lesson. We, we decided we wanted a, a, a worshiping culture um, in, our, in our student ministry, in our youth ministry. And that was going to be an uphill battle. Oh my goodness. Number number 1 about 2 thirds of the students that were there were absolutely not interested in praying to God, singing to God or even really about God or or even closing their eyes when someone else was praying in the room. I mean, it was it was really rough. And there were a whole bunch of reasons for that primarily cultural uh, when I say cultural, I mean I mean not the cultural or ethnicity of the individuals that were present. I mean the the culture and vibe of the youth group. And some of them were environmental. Like we had a really bad youth room, and uh, there were um, it, we we shared our youth space at that particular time. We shared with the toddler Sunday school class, so we would meet during our midweek Bible study for a youth service, and then on Sunday the toddlers. Um, many of whom were not potty trained, uh, would occupy the space on Sunday. And over the years, uh, kids would have accidents on the floor and they would stain the carpet. And you're like, this is, this is, this is sounding horrific. It really was. Somebody had decided to paint a mural of teddy bears on the wall to make it more inviting for toddlers but because our church was really old and it had a concrete block foundation and we had some some environmental leaks we had some from rain heavy rainstorms we had had all of those teddy bear murals had bubbled and now it's just it looked horrific like it was it was terrifying cuz all their faces were were peeling and bloated out and bubbled and so these cute little teddy bears now looked like these horrible monsters and it was it was awful for toddlers but imagine imagine you're trying to get a group of 12 to 20 year olds interested in God who aren't and you bring them into this space that like their baby brother has peed on the floor and now they are looking they are looking the center stage are these 
mutated teddy bears on the wall that are made of peeling plaster and paint. It was an uphill battle. And so in the beginning, we had no budget. We had, there was no stage set and design. Like this was, this was nearly 20 years ago. So, you know, this, this had not caught on in the church yet. And this was the environment. So that we were trying to build a youth ministry in. And on top of the bad worship space, like I said, we, two-thirds of the, the group was completely carnal, disinterested in God. Some of their parents had protested verbally in the church business meeting my appointment. And here I was trying to create a worshiping culture. So what did we do? Well, I had to incarnate the vision. And so my wife would be on the keyboard and I would be taking my position as worship leader slash preacher for that particular service. And I worshiped my guts out. Like I did. I cried. I prayed. I talked in tongues. I waved my arms around. I jumped up and down as we sang Hillsong United worship songs. I was the only one jumping in the room. I was the only one speaking in tongues in the room. I was the only one waving an arm in the room. I was the only one singing out loud in the room. But I had a vision. I had a culture that I wanted to create. My wife and I had an idea of what, where we wanted to go. And the only way we could create that culture was by showing the students and young adults of the youth group what it meant to worship and engage with the presence of God. And I'll never forget the first time we had somebody receive the Holy Ghost in youth service. Because slowly but surely, those that wanted God but felt too insecure to worship Him began to feel more confident in reaching out in their own way as I led in worship. And slowly but surely, by giving them an example to follow, we built a worshiping culture. Today, if you were to walk into our youth service, I'm no longer the youth pastor. It's, it's now led by an amazing team. Like, our youth group is wild. Like, when we have midweek Bible study, we have to turn up, we have to turn up the microphone on the speakers and worship team that's leading in upstairs because of the shouts and, and worship and music that is pouring out from our basement. We're still in the same room, albeit it's a whole lot bigger. We've tore down some dividing walls, and those teddy bears are gone. Like, they are gone. And uh, they've got a stage and a sound system and lighting, all the stuff I didn't have at the beginning. But it is there is like a roar of praise and worship that comes from that room every single midweek. Because at the very beginning, my wife and I made a decision that we were going to embody the type of culture that we wanted to see. This is what you got to do. This, this is my example. This is of, of creating worship, a culture of worship and praise and prayer for people to experience the, the presence of God. 
And there were other challenges along the way, other things that we wanted to build into the youth ministry that first started with us incarnating those values and for a long time being the only ones who did them. And then eventually over time, those ideas were caught. And so my question is, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to see happen? Three years from now, five years from now, what do you want your youth group to feel like, to sound like, to be like? The only way you're going to get to that space three to five years from now is if you lead them there. And the only way you can truly and authentically lead them there is not just by telling them what you want them to do, but by showing them through your example. So step number one, step number one to change in the culture of your youth group is the leader must incarnate the values and culture that he or she wants to see. You've got to have that vision take on flesh and live out in your life and if you are married, the life of you and your spouse. But this, this is not all. There's got to be more. So that leads us to, to step two. If you only embody the vision and never transfer it to others, you will only draw attention to yourself and not to the culture that you're trying to create. The goal is never to have people say, wow, they're such a great student pastor. Wow, they're such a great hyphen leader. Wow, they're such a great Sunday school class teacher for our kids. Look at how they act. Look at how they behave. Wow, they are amazing. This, this is not what we're trying to do. We are not out to make fans of our personal brand or leadership style. We're not out to build a cult of personality where people look up to us and admire us for who we are or what we do. We're trying to create a culture that lives beyond us and beyond ourselves, beyond when even we serve, and we're looking to create a culture that is caught from us and lived out in the lives of our students. So once you have that clarity of, of the vision and culture of the youth group you're trying to create, and once you consistently incarnate those values over time, it's time for you to move to that next step. And step two to changing the culture of your youth group is you've got to connect with a small group of influencers and tell them what you do and why you are doing it. So after a season of consistently modeling the culture that you're trying to create, you need to target the influencers in your group. Now, I would say influencers with a footnote or with an asterisk next, next to the idea of not everybody that's an influence in your youth group is somebody that you're going to be able to bring on board. At the beginning, the influencers in, in the youth group that Stephanie and I were leading were disconnected, disengaged, carnal people. And I was not going to be able to do anything with them until they either repented or they left the youth group and life, you know, banged them around and they needed, realized they needed God uh, a whole lot. 
So when I say influencers, I'm talking not just about the people that have the the giftings or even the hierarchical position of of influencer in the youth group. I'm talking about people that have the potential because they have a heart after God to influence others towards the culture you're trying to create. So we're not just looking for popular kids. We're looking for people with leadership gifts that are willing and able to buy in to the culture you're trying to create with a little bit of help, encouragement, and time from you. This next step is so important. It's so important that you you get that small group of influencers around you because you need to be pointing away from yourself to an idea, to a vision, to a culture that's greater than you. We are embodying values and vision, not so people can look at us and admire our leadership qualities, but we are embodying vision and values because we're pointing people to something beyond us that we are trying to create. So you get that group around you and you say, hey guys, this is the vision. This is the culture that we want to see in this student ministry. You may have seen me do this or say these things or act in this way lately. And it's not just because that's my personality. It's not just because that's my gift. It's I'm trying with all my heart to be an example of what we're trying, what we're trying to build here. This is so important because this group of influencers that you're now about to bring around you, they need to clearly connect your words and actions to the culture you're trying to create, to an idea that is outside of you as a leader. You want to send the message, I'm not doing this because I am so spiritual, I am so smart, or I am so good. I am aspiring to an ideal, and I'm attempting to get people around me to buy into that ideal, that picture of the youth group that we could be. I'm trying to be an example of what we all should be doing. We do not want to create a, as I've said already, a cult of leadership around ourselves where we are elevated and then people look to us. No, we, we want to cast a broad vision with this small group of influencers. What I'm doing, you need to be doing too. How I'm acting, how I'm talking, it's because I'm stretching towards a vision of the future. And it's not just because I'm good or I'm special. What I'm doing is what we all can do together. And so once you bring that small group of influences around you and you clearly point your behaviors to the vision of the future and of the culture of the youth group that that God has given you, you then need to take them to that next step and say, I've brought you all here because I need your help in creating this culture in this youth group. I can't do this by myself. I need you to be on my team so that together we can build the kind of youth group that God wants to see in this city and in this church. Now, this next part is crucial. Once you've, after you've embodied, as I've already said, you've embodied the culture you want to create, 
you get that small group of influencers around you and you point to specific behaviors and things that you've said to the idea of the future that you're trying to create, you need to ask them, how can you help me cast this vision and build this culture in this youth group? What can you do to help this idea come alive? See, what you're after here is contextualization and personalization. You're wanting them to take, to grab a hold of the culture and vision that God's called you to create and make it their own. You're not looking for a carbon copy of yourself. Rodney Shaw, in his book, Church Work, which... Another plug. I've talked about it a few times on 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 this on the show, and it's like the best leadership book that I have read in a very long time. And it's one of the only books on followership that is out there. We're not looking to recreate ourselves in the lives of the students of our youth group. Rodney Shaw says we're looking to find ways to bring out their gifts and bring out the things that God has put in them, in our followers. We want to bring that to the surface. I'm not looking to make many Adam Shaw's. I'm looking to find people and bring the best out of them that God wants to see come to fruition in their life. So when you get them around you and, and you Point to how you're trying to fulfill the vision, how you're trying to create this culture in the youth group. You're pointing that idea that's outside of you. You ask them, how can you help me build this vision, create this culture here? You want them to personalize that call. You want them to see their behaviors and their actions as contributing directly directly to the culture that God is trying to create in the student ministry. Like I said, you're not looking to create a carbon copy of yourself, but a faithful contextualization of the values that God's trying to instill in your youth group in their own life. This means what they will do, how they will act, and what they will contribute will look very different than you. But that's okay. We're not looking to recreate ourselves. We're looking to build a culture of different personalities and different people that are united around a common vision. Rodney Shaw, I'm going to quote him again. He says this, Vision is always filtered through an individual and that we as leaders need to allow vision and we need to allow culture to filter through the unique gifts, personality, of the adolescent mind of that influencing student that's sitting in front of you. So when it came to worshiping culture, I'm an extrovert. I'm loud. So that's why I was waving my arms around, jumping up and down to Hillsong United songs. If I want to create a worshiping culture, I have to worship passionately. And I'm going to get those influencers around me to worship passionately but their passionate worship is not going to look like mine. And if I try to force everybody through the mold of what I do, I'm going to lose people along the way. 
So when I get that group of influencers around me, I'm asking them to take personal responsibility for the culture of this youth group. And I'm asking for them to help build influence by embodying and incarnating that culture through their own unique personality and gifts. And so for others that were more introverted, it meant that they raised their hands. They may not jump, but they would raise their hands. They would pray out loud. They may not shout, but they would pray audibly. Looking for them to incarnate that culture through their own unique personality and life. It's so important that if you want to change culture, you get people around you pushing, students pushing in the same direction. It can't just all be you. If it's all you, people will just go, that's what the leader does. Well, he has to do that. He's the youth pastor or she has to do that. She's the hyphen leader. No, if you get other people that are influencers, that, that are hungry to make a difference, pushing in the same direction as you, it no longer becomes this is what he does or she does because they are the leader. It becomes this is what we do as a youth group because this is who we are. So step one, incarnate the vision. Step two, gather influences around you and have them contextualize that vision or that culture through their own personality and their unique God-given gifts. And three, publicly and privately celebrate every attempt that someone makes to embody that vision and culture that God's called you to create. Every attempt, even if it's imperfect, even if they go a little too far, even, even if they... they even if they take it further than what you think they should. You may need to rein people back in a little bit. I remember, you know, we wanted to have a spiritual youth group. And we wanted to see the gifts of the Spirit on display in the lives of students. Well, when, when you promote that, you're, you're going to have some young people make some mistakes. I would much rather have people make some mistakes in their attempt in their attempt to be used by God. And then I got to talk with them and I got to coach them. And chances are, if they drop the ball, they're going to be really embarrassed. So they don't need any correction from me. They, what they need is encouragement and be like, you want to know what? That's okay. You tried. I remember when we first started experiencing like tongues and interpretation in our youth ministry, there, there'd be students that would start and then they'd get really overwhelmed and they wouldn't be able to finish the interpretation. They start crying really hard. And then afterwards, they would second-guess themselves and they would feel ashamed and embarrassed. We'd celebrate them. Celebrate every attempt that someone makes to grab a hold of the culture that you're trying to create and make it their own. Celebrate every attempt that someone takes to embody the vision and watch the culture of your youth group be transformed. Again, I'm using personal examples, not because I got it all figured out. My goodness, <laughs> becoming a youth leader at 19, there were, a, there were a lot of mistakes that I made. There were a lot of 
there were a lot of things that I did that I would never do again. But I, I'm using these personal examples because our youth group today is living witness of what what can happen when we attempt to make cultural change. A cultural change is possible. So if you've been if you've been a youth pastor for a long time, but circumstances have happened and you're looking at the youth ministry right now and there are people that are disconnected from God, they're not disciples, they're not plugged into mission, they're not even really serving God. I want to let you know that cultural change is possible. Maybe you are a new youth leader, a new youth worker, and you're stepping in, maybe in creating in a church plant, a youth group for the very first time, and you don't know really where to start. You've got an idea of what God wants to do in this group, but you don't know how to get there. Creating culture or changing culture is hard. It's difficult. Sometimes it's very painful, but it is easier than what you think. You've got to embody and incarnate the values, vision, culture that you're wanting to create. You've got to lead first. You have to be the example. It's got to be more than words. It's got to be a living embodiment. Two, you've got to get those people around you that have the ability to shape culture in your student ministry, and you got to cast vision. And then you have to let them decide how they are going to contextualize that through their own life using their own gifts. And three, you celebrate them relentlessly. You celebrate every attempt that they make to make a difference and change the atmosphere of your youth ministry. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope that this has educated and engaged you in some way. And if it has, I would just really, again, encourage you, leave a star rating, leave a review, share this episode with a friend, especially if you know that they're a leader who is struggling, is feeling overwhelmed right now, and is wondering how to spark change in their student ministry. This may be the message that they need to make that change and to see their youth group transformed. We, as part of the UPCI Youth Ministries team, we believe in you, we're praying for you, and we know that God has great things for you. Let's go out and let's change the culture, let's change the atmosphere of youth groups all across the continent and across the globe, and let's see what God will do through us and through the students that we lead. Take care, God bless.